A reading from the book of Job. Job spoke, saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, When shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks. be to God. for he is good. Sing praise to our God, for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem, the dispersed of Israel he gathers. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly, the wicked he casts to the ground. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, there, this is no reason for me to boast for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense, but if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak, I became weak, to win over the weak. I have become all things to all, to save at least one. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus, on leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. He told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Today's Gospel, from the first chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter verses 29 through 39, follows right behind last week's Gospel where Jesus was in the synagogue and a man, a demoniac, was there with an unclean spirit, and he cast it out, and of course the people were marveling at not only the way he taught, which was with authority, 
but they were also overwhelmed with reverential regard for him, for even the unclean spirits, the demonic spirits, obeyed him at his very word. And this, no doubt, caused quite a stir in the whole area of Galilee, for as they are moving from the synagogue, Simon and Andrew are telling him about Simon's mother-in-law. Now, you know, that automatically, that detail in today's gospel should raise a thought in our minds. Whoa, well, if Peter of Simon had a mother-in-law, that means he had a wife. Yeah, usually they come together as a package deal. You get a wife, you get a mother-in-law. <laughs> and um, so this um, is certainly the case. But what also we wonder about, and many wondered and thought, they, many of the church fathers believed that Simon at this time in his life was probably a widower because it would have been, especially if her mother-in-law, the mother-in-law would have been ill in bed, it would have been and was proper for the, for the woman of the house to be attending to hospitality. There is no mention whatsoever of Peter's wife. So that's what the speculation is of the church fathers, that his wife probably had preceded him in death. But so it is. That's one thought that comes to us. But as we see Jesus attending to the mother-in-law, the immediacy, you, you, this term, immediately, immediately, it's a common refrain in the Gospel of St. Mark, and it's Mark's way of wanting us to be really caught up with the dynamism of Jesus, with his disposition, the urgency, the power in which he was actively pursuing establishing God's reign in a world that had been under the grip and, and under the grip of the devil for so long. And so we begin to see how it is that by sunset, people were coming. They were all at the door. Imagine how chaotic that scene might have been. The entire village is there. But it makes it a point to say, those possessed by demons, he cured them and they cast them out, but he would not allow the demons to speak about who he was because it says they knew him. How did the demons know who Jesus was? Well, this is the gospel's way of letting us know that Jesus, before he assumed the human nature, he pre-existed as the eternal word of God. We say in our creed that it was through the word, the eternal word of God, that everything visible and invisible was created, even the pure spirits, even the angels, which are creatures. So they knew Jesus in his divine form as the eternal word, and so they would have known him by virtue of the fact that they were created through him, but also they would have known him by the fact that they were judged by him too when they chose not to serve. And were, a third of the angels, we're told in the reference to the book of Revelation, were cast out. And so they are among us. So he did not allow them to speak. Also, on practical and a more practical level, he didn't want, think about it, if he was to let his identity be known straight off the bat, he would not have been able to establish effectively the groundwork for the kingdom that would persist until the end of time. In its, in its uh, um, seminal form, the, the kingdom is in now among us, but it's developing and it's developing in the context of embracing, as we see Jesus embracing 
the hardships, the trials, everything that plagues humanity as a result of the fall of our first parents is now redemptive. It has meaning. We hear Job lamenting, is not life a drudgery? Is not life a drudgery? In other words, is not life hard? How many people, especially in our American culture and society, how many people are working to live or living to work? That's, that's a question worth pondering. How many are working to live or living to work? And we have so much people, you know, they're full of stress, they're anxious, they're burning out. But whatever the situation, Jesus comes in response to the question that is every human being on the face of this earth. He is the answer to every single human being created to God's image and likeness. And it should also strike us that Jesus was not oblivious. He wasn't just focused on the big issues, like those who were possessed by demons, those who were born paralyzed or blind or lame or leprous, a fever. She was suffering with a fever. Now, which at that time could be a good as dead situation because they didn't have antibiotics like amoxicillin or whatever we might go and get a prescription for, and it takes care of the infection that the fever is indicative of. Jesus, very much aware of her plight, very much aware of the concern of Simon and Andrew, attends to her as he desires to attend to each and every one of us. And perhaps that's what today's gospel, that's what today's readings are inviting us to think on. Because we oftentimes struggle with what we hear Jesus did following attending to all of the village that assembled at the door of Simon's house in Capernaum. Oh, and by the way, Capernaum, the city of Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, it's actually, it's actually pronounced Caperna, Capernaum, Capernaum, which is from the Hebrew Nahum, which means comfort, comfort, the name deriving from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are known as the, the book of judgment or woe. But from, 40, from chapter 40 to 66, it's known as the book of comfort and consolation, in fact, the very first words of the 40th, 40th chapter of Isaiah the prophet, comfort, comfort my people. So Jesus sets up his home base by Galilee by the sea, Capernaum by the sea, to be that comfort, to, complain, to proclaim to not only the chosen people, but to the whole world, I am your redeemer. I am your God who loves you. I am with you. I am aware of your plight. But so, as we oftentimes may struggle with the fact that Jesus got up early in the morning and went off by himself to pray, how many of us struggle to pray? Maybe we don't know how to pray. We maybe struggle with the form of prayer that we use or whatever. But at least we can say we gain from Jesus insight as to what time we should look to pray. Either early in the morning Jesus was praying or late in the wee hours of the night. Why? Because those were the times when he could be alone. He could have the silence. 
which he needed as he willingly subjected himself to our human nature. He's teaching us how to live whole and entire as the child of God, body, soul, and spirit. He came to heal the totality, the whole of the human race, not just some aspect of it, but all of us. And I'd like to conclude with paragraph number 1503, in 1505 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which does a beautiful job of speaking to Jesus, the Christ, as the physician. Last week, he's been presented to us as Jesus, the exorcist, par excellence. But Jesus, the physician, paragraph 1503 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Christ's compassion toward the sick and his many healings of every kind of infirmity are a resplendent sign that, quote, God has visited his people, close quote, and that the kingdom of God is close at hand. Jesus has the power not only to heal, but also to forgive sins. He has come to heal the whole man, soul and body. He is the physician the sick have need of. His compassion toward all who suffer goes so far that he identifies himself with them. I was sick, and you visited me. He, his preferential love for the sick has not ceased through the centuries to draw the very special attention of Christians toward all those who suffer in body and soul. It is the source of tireless efforts to comfort them. In fact, I'm sure some of you who have the devotion of going to daily Mass, sometimes the floor is opened, and for what else shall we pray during the general intercessions? How many of those prayers that are offered are in relationship to someone who is suffering some sickness? They're dealing with something. They may be having a surgery or something. But by and far, by hands down, the majority of the prayerful petitions that are brought to the Lord in the context of the Mass is for the sick and the suffering of the community, of the mystical body of Christ, and rightly so, because it's, concern, it's a concern of the Lord, and so it's a concern for us. And so then paragraph 1505, moved by so much suffering, Christ not only allows himself to be touched by the sick, but he makes their miseries his own. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. But he did not heal all the sick. His healings were signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. They announced a more radical healing, the victory over sin and death through his Passover. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the whole weight of evil and took away the sin of the world of which illness is only a consequence. By his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given a new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. So the gospel, the good news today, is that our Lord comes to us as a physician, as a healer of the whole person, he has regard for us on every level. The gospel is inviting us in the persons of Simon and Andrew to consider what are we praying to the Lord about? They thought of, their, their, of, of the mother-in-law. 
Simon Peter's mother-in-law was very much on their mind, and they wasted no time telling Jesus about her. What might we be being prompted to present to the Lord? He wants to know everything about us. He, he, he knows, but he wants, he wants to converse with us about every aspect of our lives. Don't deprive him of the joy of realizing his vocation, of realizing who he is, our God, our Redeemer, our Savior, the ultimate lover of souls who wants communion with us. Today is a day, a new day, to consider what, what you might bring to him today. He's aware of it. Bring it to him. Bring it to him who says, I am meek and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My burden is light. Come. Come and learn from me. I am with you. And so the psalmist gives us a beautiful way to conclude our prayer and reflection. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who heals the broken hearted? God love you.